Let's join together in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I pray. Pray we believe uh, the words we just sang or, or maybe just read. Uh, that you're a good father. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there, there's some in this room who may not believe that. Uh, some who've had the daddy issues and just don't really believe that you're good. Uh, I, I pray your power by your spirit would melt hearts where they would see your goodness. There are others here who I, I believe just don't think you're perfect in all of your ways. Um, uh, those of us who, who struggle with uh, some type of brokenness right now, maybe, maybe it's physical, emotional, relational. Lord, I pray that uh, we would begin to see you as perfect in all of your ways and really claim uh, there are no accents in Christianity, meaning there are no accents for Christians, and really claim uh, you work uh, in all things, uh, for your good and your glory. And all things includes lives, lives that are here, lives that you take and mold and shape and use for now and for eternity. Lord, give us eyes that are eternal in perspective and in scope and not limited by physical life. Because there is a plan, there is a purpose for us individually and for us as a church. And I'm not talking about Bellwether Church, your church, Jesus' church. Give us new eyes and a new heart to see these things. Things of you, things of the spirit, things of the, the supernatural that are not of this world. Where even though right now we have to live with one foot in this world, our other foot will always be in your world. Which helps us live in the time that we have. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. And um, glad y'all could be here. Hey, do me a favor. Like I said, we're pretty informal. Can we kill these lights? Is that okay? It's like, it gets warm up here. Awesome. Does that make an impact on y'all? Good? Good? Okay. Uh, thank y'all for being here today. Uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. Uh, we're going to just take a few verses. If you don't have a Bible... Uh, there's on a back table that uh, you can grab or you can take with you. That would be our gift for you. So John chapter 10, we're going to be verse 7 through 10. And uh, a couple things uh, before we read the, the passage. Uh, first off, we're in a series during Lent. Uh, Lent is the 40 days before Easter. And this series we're calling He Is. He Is. He being Jesus and it's based on seven statements that Jesus made, where Jesus said, I am. So Jesus said, I am this. So we're calling the series, He Is, because Jesus is. And He said, I am these things. Now, there's a goal that I have for this series. And the goal is that uh, the people of Bellwether, or the people that come through these doors, uh, would see uh, and savor Jesus more and more. So the goal is to see and savor Jesus. Now, and I talked about this last week, there are some severe challenges to this goal. Severe. Uh, one is that, uh, uh, like me, 
uh, in my life in the past. A lot of us were like, man, I, I get Jesus. I see Jesus. Kind of know, you know, kind of getting fired up for Easter. You know, it's a good day. We'll eat well. You know, I, you know, I don't have to give an excuse for, you know, drinking champagne at lunch on Easter, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm excited about that. And um, I would say we really know, like, the Facebook facts of Jesus. So one of the challenges we're trying to overcome is to get past what I call the Facebook facts. I mean, you know, you got thousands of friends on Facebook. I mean, how many friends do we really have, you know? And we can look on Facebook and know, well, I know this, this, and this. We really don't know a lot of these people. So one, getting past Facebook facts. Two, another uh, severe challenge is, is the flippancy of church. Uh, and I'm, I'd say, you know, I've been guilty as charge of this. Flippancy. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's great that I can, I got a church, you know, got a church home. It, it's great that I can sneeze at church and not, you know, worry about it. Um, you know, I'm just so, you know, thankful we can roll up in here and, you know, pastor even says champagne in the sermon. He's cool. I know he might drink a glass of wine. Yes, yeah, it's, it's cool. But we're just flippant about uh, the things of the Lord. Uh, and again, guilty as charged here, there's, there's not sometimes a seriousness about the things of the Lord, a seriousness of what Jesus has done and really knowing Jesus. And the flippancy often comes from a, a lack of focus. There's three Fs. Anyway, Facebook facts, flippancy, and the focus that we have. Because often our focus is on the world, you know. And the world isn't just, you know, we say worldly things and we think of, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which it is. Uh, but the world is, is confused. Uh, the philosophies of the world uh, are confusing and confuse us. And that's not meaning to go, like, deep or heavy or anything. It's just simple, like, you know, the world would say, well, just do whatever feels right, you know. Uh, do whatever's in your heart. You know, where Jeremiah, a biblical worldview, would say the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Kind of different than just do whatever the heart feels like. Uh, So we are very uh, worldly, and and our focus is on the world. So these are, I'm just going to be honest, like, I don't know if this is going to happen. It it won't happen by me or my, you know, anything that I am. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we see and savor Jesus. But I want to state that goal, but I also want to state the challenges that we have, that I know the Holy Spirit can overcome, uh, but we gotta be we gotta be willing and receptive. So uh, those are the uh, challenges. So let's let's look at John ten, verse seven through ten. Again, this is Jesus saying several "I am" statements, and here is uh, here's one of them. Verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door." Of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, we'll stop there. Just a few verses, powerful verses though. We will, we'll break them down. But first off, you know, Jesus is saying some strong words here, uh, some offensive words here, because uh, he's talking to Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees think and feel like, you know, they, they got it all right. They've checked every box, you know, from knowledge to works to appearance to posture. They, they're, they're good to go. And Jesus said, I'm the door. 
and you're not. So Jesus is, as he does throughout his ministry, he's offending a lot of folks. And those he offends ultimately will plan to crucify him, although that was part of God's plan, and, uh, and he will die. He'll rise again. But uh, he's offending folks. And, and sometimes, you know, the, these strong statements, uh, they do offend. They offend the world today. Uh, one pastor and mentor told me, and he was talking about the gospel, but he was also talking about in teaching and preaching the gospel, that it's very offensive. Uh, and he used, the, uh, he used the illustration of uh, presidents. We're in a you know, presidential campaign. I'm a, I'm a junkie. I mean, good grief. Everything, I mean, we could go on and on about uh, what we see in the world in the presidential campaign. But he was using the illustration of presidents and specifically like two-term presidents. He said, if you look, you know, the two-term presidents, they have folks who like love them, and they also have folks who like hate them and really hate them. And so he used an example going back to Ronald Reagan, uh, and I would say that was the case. I mean, folks loved him, but there are some folks, I know not down here, but there are some folks that, uh, that hated him. Uh, you look at uh, George W. Bush, same thing. Some folks that love him, but really uh, some folks that uh, don't like him. And our current president, uh, don't, don't say anything, but you know, there are some folks that uh, really love him, and there are some who don't. And then he said, now look at the one-term presidents. And it's, it's interesting, like, they're one-term presidents, but... Um, Generally, everybody kind of like, like liked them. I mean, they were good people, good guys. George H.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter. I know I'm going to probably get some pushback on this. But they didn't take the strongest of uh, stances or postures. They were, a lot of folks liked them more than these two terms. You have some love-hate relationships. And so the point he was making is like, whenever you take the stronger stands, some are going to really be in your corner, and there are others who are going to be really offended. Uh, getting back to preaching in the gospel, uh, some pastors that I really admire, they all said the same thing, I'll name them to you. One, a guy named Tim Keller in New York City. He was very soft-spoken. Another guy, John Piper, who was not soft-spoken. He pastored in Minneapolis. Two younger guys, a guy named Darren Patrick in St. Louis, who's actually chaplain in the St. Louis Cardinals. like him a lot. Another guy, Matt Chandler in, uh, in Dallas. Uh, I listen to these four guys a lot, and they all say the same thing. It's like, if people are not offended... When you're preaching the gospel, then you're probably not preaching the gospel. Across the board, and I, I list those four because different places in the country, Bible Belt to New York, they, they can say it maybe loud or self-spoken. But the gospel is offensive because Jesus is saying, I'm the door, and I'm the only door. That, that offends a lot of folks, maybe offend folks here today. It definitely offended the Pharisees uh, of that time. And... Uh, you know, the other thing is Jesus, he did say in another passage, he said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. And he talks about this over and over again. He said, I, I came and I, I will divide people. Um, now, I think also when he says, I came to bring the sword, there's a, uh, there's a great illustration, and I actually heard this from uh, Tim Keller in New York, that what Jesus did, and this, this really applies to see and savor Jesus more, is if you remember your Bible or maybe the Sunday school story, uh, at the end of Genesis 3, and God has, uh, has cast out uh, Adam and Eve from the garden, so they can't be in the presence of God anymore, and he places uh, this angel with a fiery sword at the entrance of the garden so that, that no one can come in to the garden and be in the presence of the Lord. 
Well, the story that uh, Pastor Keller used, he said, what Jesus really has done for you, and I pray that you, you get this, is he literally like walked up to the angel with the sword, the fiery sword, and he took that sword. He walked up, and, and of course the angel weeps because he doesn't want to do this, but they know, Jesus, the Father, that if this doesn't happen, we can't be in the presence of God. And so Jesus took the sword for us. That's the only way that we can be in God's presence is because what Jesus did, what he took on the cross. But I've always thought that was a beautiful, I thought it was a beautiful picture. Jesus walked and took the sword that was blocking our entrance to be with God. I could end right there, say a closing prayer. You may be like, man, great place to end. We can get out of here. But I want to break down this passage, okay? Uh, John 10, 7. There are a couple things that, uh, that these few verses tell us. And uh, I'd like to share this. There's an introduction here. There's an invitation here. And there's illumination here. First, an introduction. Jesus says, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So he introduces himself saying, I am the door. Uh, Later on, John 14, 6, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, again, in the presence of the Lord, but through Jesus. He's saying he's the door. Now, it's an introduction, but I imagine this like this. And I, I use kind of, a similar illustration last uh, Sunday, I want to tweak it a little bit, that imagine your life is like a house, uh, a house, okay? And uh, imagine it's like your dream house, okay? Um, whatever that dream house might be. I know for me, my dream house, and some of this won't surprise some of you, but I, I love old houses. I mean, I just I love old houses, and I, I love, uh, you know, I mean, I, know I, I may lose some, some guy cards here. I love Downton Abbey. Am I like, there you go, yeah, I love Downton Abbey, love Downton Abbey. Uh, really miss Sybil, by the way. Anyway, enough of that, but uh, really miss Sybil. Anyway, too much. And, but the Downton, you know, and that's like dreamlike. But, you know, those old, you know, houses in, uh, in Britain or Scotland or, yeah, they're castles. But I, but I love that. And C.S. Lewis uh, used a lot of those houses in his stories. And one that you may know or remember is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And what happens in the line of the witch in the wardrobe, before they enter Narnia, for the first time, the youngest of them, uh, Lucy, little girl, you know, they say that you know, in this room there's the wardrobe. And, it, and you may have seen the movie of this, and it was a really a beautiful depiction as well. But Lucy goes up, you know, it's almost like a haunted house, but you know, Lucy goes up and just childlike wonder, you know, and opens this one door and sees the wardrobe, you know, and it's the entrance to Narnia. And then she opens, you know, the wardrobe door. And uh, you know, she's like peeking in. And so I, I imagine this passage is like if our life is a house. Say it's this grand house. And, and there are many rooms. But the power of God, and I believe this is the case. The power of God by the Holy Spirit is saying there's this one door that's special. And you go into that door. And then you live in that room. And that just... That shows you things that are not of this world. That shows you life in the fullest. There are all these other rooms in this life, in the world we know. But in your life, there's one door. 
in the caverns and in the, in the castles of our life. And that is Jesus. And you open that door, and I believe this is the case too. Some people kind of peek in, and it just blows them away. And they, can't, you know, they just can't even inhabit that place. You can, but they just feel like, no, I'm not worthy enough. They feel like, you know, I've done so many terrible things. I can't be there. I can't live in that room. So I'll live in these other rooms, these darker rooms. The door is in all of our houses or mansions or castles or dream house. And Jesus says, I want you to be the primary room. You know, live here. He says it. You know, I, I am the door. So he's given an introduction. This is, this is life. I am life. Live here in me. He gives an invitation. Verse 9, he says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So he gives the introduction again, I am the door. But then he says, if, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If you go in or if not. And this is where, you know, it gets offensive. He's saying some will, but some may not. He says, if, if. But if you do, he says, you will go in and out and find pasture. Now, let's, let's take again the house, okay? Your dream house and that one door and that special room, that special place that, that is Jesus and that is life. He's saying, too, he's saying, come through this door, live by me and in me, and you can go out and find pasture. You can come in and you can come out. Like, what do, you, what do you mean by this? It's really simple. Sometimes we've got to like really be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, you take a, uh, an altar here, you know, someone is praying, altar there, someone is praying, and just you're, just you're just in the presence of the Lord. Or say you're out there worshiping, you're just in the presence of the Lord. Or say you're reading through Scripture, you're just, I'm there, I'm in the door, I'm in the room, I'm through there, I'm, I'm right there. And then other times... Service over, go to lunch, you step out, and you're in another room, you're in another world, like literally you're in another world. Here with Jesus, you're like in the, the presence of the Spirit, and you're, you're in the supernatural, and, you, and you're feeling it, it's raining down, and you're like, all things are possible, all things work together for good, I can see it, I can feel it, and then, because we're still in this world, you step out. And there are other people who, who may not have that experience, who don't live in that room, who have not entered into that door. But Jesus says here, and this is very important, he says you can go in and you can go out. In fact, I would say we should not only be in, but we should come out. Because when we're living in that room and when we go through that door, other people know something's different about them. And other people need to know we live in that room and go through that door. So I would say to all of us, you know, you go through the door of Jesus, but then you come out to lead people to him. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia, again, not only did Lucy and her siblings go through and enter Narnia, but Aslan, who is Christ in those books, one of I highly recommend reading them, and not just for kids. I mean, I, I love them. But Aslan says, you have come to this world so you can live better in your world. You understand? 
He says, I've brought you here so you can see what other people don't see so you can live there and help other people see until there is the new world, the new heavens, the new earth, which does happen in the books, the last book, and which will happen in our world. But until then, Jesus is saying, I'm showing you this world so you can live better in your world with the time you have. And it's an invitation. Jesus gives an invitation if. And then last, there is what I call illumination. I love that word. Your, Your mind, your heart, your life, it's illuminated. First, by the power of Jesus, by being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, of the church, I believe, Jesus' church. But you also get illumination that these other doors and sometimes these other rooms that we choose to live in, I mean, they're, they just ain't got it. And he says this. He says, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Love that verse. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So here's here's the deal for all of us. Uh, There are many competing doors in our life, in the house of our life. And a lot of us go through multiple doors. And a lot of us live by multiple doors. For the Pharisees, their door was knowledge. They knew everything in the Old Testament Scripture. Uh, Their door was works. Uh, They did good. Uh, Their door was also, let me say this, posture. They appeared good. So that was their idol. Uh, For us, for some of us, it's knowledge, you know, that we just think we know, you know, we know what's best or we got to be right all the time or we are right all the time. Uh, It may be works, you know, that we just appear, you know, good and perfect and we've dotted the I's and we've crossed the T's. Uh, it may be uh, appearance, how we care, carry ourselves. It may be appearance of like God given and God did give them to you and you didn't, you know, looks or beauty. Uh, it may be money, maybe reputation. It may be perfect family. Uh, it may be uh, you're the fun person or the cool person. I mean, you got all these doors. Here's the deal. Here's the trap. Here's also what is offensive. The thief uses those doors and uses those rooms. He will use sometimes good things to make them ultimate things. So we'll live in that place and we will neglect the true door of Jesus Christ and His way and His truth and His life. That's the only one. Like, I'm going to live in the beauty of the world, you know. Good thing to become an ultimate thing. I'm going to live in just in, in money and status. And I'm going to live in how much I know. I'm going to live in my kids, through my kids' life. And good things, but there is a real thief. And his name is Satan. And he will use these things, and he is very, very wily. He's been around thousands of years. He knows all the tricks. He will use them to take us off course. That's why we need to live in the presence of Jesus, so we can get strength. And then we go out into the world, and all these things are, you know, fighting against us and taking shots at us. We've got to go back. We have to literally, until Jesus comes again, one foot in a different world and one foot in this world. And too often it's just this world's all there is. And I 
maybe float over here every now and then. Abundant life. And that's the last thing I'm going to say. Abundant life. Man, everybody, everybody here wants, everybody wants abundant life. And, you know, I really believe, and that's the other thing about illumination. You, like, you see differently. You see that Jesus, him being the door, being in the presence of Jesus, that it is abundant life. That it's not just, oh, well, i got to do this, or i, I got to go to church, or, oh, you know, kind of go to church, or be flipping about the things of the Lord. You see, man, it's abundant life. And that doesn't mean, like, rules and restrictions. But it doesn't, like, compromise you. Actually, it's, it's for our benefit, the things that he says. I believe this. I believe Christians should be the most joyful people. I believe they should be the most humble people. I believe they should be uh, the least uh, offensive and the least offended people. I believe Christians should be the most thankful people. I believe Christians should actually be like model citizens. But it's not because it's doing the right thing. It's that we have seen something different. We have literally lived somewhere different. We live in another world. As Eslin said, I bring you to this world so you can live better in your world in the time you have. And so you see the things that we see, see about that, you know, that there is a plan and purpose and the Heavenly Father is good and that... Jesus walked up and he took the sword. And if he didn't do that, we could not be in the presence of God. That is the gospel. That is the gospel, that Jesus took it for us. And so that brings us humility, that we had not done it on our own. Uh, It brings us joy that we are saved from death and hell. And we want others to be saved from death and hell. And that we can live in freedom. We can live in passion. Passion about the things that God has given us and things that we're to do for him. We can live in joy by discovering your gifts and living into your gifts. We can live in abundance. Everybody needs that. I need that. And that's the gospel message. So I would just ask you this. I mean, do, do you have that? Are you living abundant life? Have you thought abundant life was, well, I've got to come to church. No, I've got to read my Bible. Oh, maybe I'll go to a group. And, oh, man, I'm really rocking it out if I go on a mission trip or something like that. Or is it, just, is it just live and breathe through you, the Holy Spirit? And you see differently. And you see that it's not just about the here and now and this life. It is about our eternal life. And this life is, not could be, an internship for our life forever. And that we do go on and on. And we will be, as it says in Narnia, kings and queens of the new heaven and the new earth. Just read Revelation, by the way. Or come to our Revelation study. I want all of you to have that. But there's only one door. And Jesus does say if. So there is an introduction and an invitation. And I pray there's illumination. That you see Jesus and savor him for who he is and what he's done for you. He gives life. He gives it abundantly. Would you pray for me? Heavenly Father, uh, illuminate our hearts and our minds. That, And we can think about, I mean, I'm fighting against thinking about baseball tryouts this afternoon. So, I mean, that's just one little thing. Uh, we think about these other doors that we feel, you know, this is it. This is life. Bring us back to your place in the life you have for us in Jesus Christ, and maybe see that it is abundant and it's forever. 
I pray these folks would see it as well as we worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.